I don't want a lot of Christmas. There is just one thing that I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want to boldly go. More than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. I want for Christmas is Good evening and welcome to the Spotlight Christmas Special for 2022. We didn't do one last year, but we're back. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I don't want the hang my stocking there above the fireplace with another festive favorite the canterville ghost <laughs> <laughs> everyone's favorite not quite christmas film yes i didn't even know it was a christmas film. <laughs> i mean well, it's, it's actually feature very heavily any christmasy bits in it not at all but it's spooky all i want for christmas is cute baby this is Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast hosted for a non-tracky perspective. And as part of that, we do sometimes cover movies, uh, movies featuring members of Star Trek alumni, either in front or behind the camera. This, however, is a TV movie. This is the first one we've done. This is like a, a first time we've delved into TV movie land. Well, it's one of our other Christmas specials, not it's a TV all movie. A Christmas Carol. So, oh, Peace yeah. Chew has fucked us again. <laughs> uh, literally, A Christmas Carol, which we cover for our first Christmas special, starring Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh, that but, was a TV movie. But not Christmas Eve, also starring Christmas That was Christmas not a TV <laughs> Except it was the one that looked the most like one. Yeah, that, that, was, that was theatrical <laughs> release, maybe. Oh, like, God, uh, yeah, you don't get anything uh, more Approaching theatrical than Christmas than, uh, Eve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100% not. So, today we are covering the Canterville Ghost. In a place far from home. How did everyone sleep on that first night? Didn't you hear it? You heard it too? It thumped on our door. I thought it was you. She found the most unlikely friend. I was afraid that I was losing my powers. Oh no, I thought you were wonderful. But when she takes the rap for his devilish pranks... Stop scaring your brothers. There are no ghosts. She must make her family believe... Sir Simon, you have to help me. You have to make him believe. ...in someone truly unbelievable. I know there's an explanation for all of this. I just haven't figured it out. Star Trek's Patrick Stewart. I have not slept for over 400 years, and I'm so very, very tired. And Party of Five's Neve Campbell. What is it like in the realm of darkness? In a mystery beyond your imagination. God, she's with him! She's with him! Seeing is believing when you're the Canterville Ghost from Hallmark Home Entertainment. First broadcast on the 27th of January, 1996 on ABC. Now, this is an actual listener suggestion. A faithful spotlighter slid into our emails, not our DMs, people, our actual This was emails, an official request. Official request. Through the official sources. And requested yeah. the Canterville Ghost and by the as channels. a Christmas special. <laughs> 
I won't say his second name just in case he doesn't want us to, but this was Sean. Uh, he is online on Instagram right now, I can see. <laughs> so I could actually message Hi, Sean. him. Recording live, right now. Uh, and say, are you okay with us to actually your full name? I go to <laughs> Hi, Sean. We are recording. <laughs> Our uh, Christmas special. <laughs> I can cut this I'm out. sorry, Christmas but the oven is broken. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, keep this in. Keep this deep, deep, Episode four deep cut there. <laughs> we'll go back Kent in the archives. Ghost right now, as per your request. Are you okay? We're being doxxed on the internet. With us <laughs> reading your name out. On air. Over to you, Sean. In the time it takes for us to continue this recording, will you reply? You see, this goes to show that, you know, we, we honour our listeners. Yeah. If it's a good suggestion. So get your suggestions in now. Or do you want to remain anonymous? He <laughs> 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 comes right now and says, do not mention me. It's in, in fear of being hunted down by the rest of the Swatlighters after suggesting the Cantabile ghost. <laughs> this is for my own amusement. I will see if he replies. But in the meantime... The Canterbury Ghost, it was suggested as a Christmas special. Now, you may be wondering why we would cover this film as a Christmas special, if you are aware of it or have seen this version or many of the other versions that have been mm. made uh, across TV, stage, movies, graphic novels. This Lego story... Playset. Yeah, has been adapted like a million times. It's based on the 1887 Oscar Wilde short story and has since, I mean, literally just been adapted dozens and dozens of times. So, you know, it's... This it's, is hot IP. Yeah, it's, it's persevered. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. It's also free IP, that's why it's been <laughs> Frankly, I'm surprised there's not a Disney Plus series <laughs> in, the, in the offing at the moment. This is the kind of thing that BBC would do is because it's like, you know, they did that Dickensian, like the Dickens verse. Oh, we had yeah. like loads of characters yes. from different novels. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what, eight or ten episodes over, like, four or five nights across Christmas. Like yeah, Dickens' shared universe. Who needs it's... Iron Man when you've got Cratchit? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favourite hero. But funny we should mention the BBC because the BBC have actually adapted this twice on the radio as part of their festive season mm. because the Canterbury Ghost falls under the banner of a ghost story for Christmas. That tradition... The fuck is that? I think it's a very spooky time. It's a ghost, yeah. it's a ghost story for Christmas. Like, okay, there is a... Someone's I think here. it's somebody cleaning on the floor upstairs, and I think it's that's what it is. It's wiping on the floor. Wiping on the floor. On yeah, the there's, floor. No one, there's literally no one left. Yeah, yeah, it's somebody going like this on the floor, maybe. Mm. I just motioned that it was somebody who's doing cleaning motion. <laughs> yeah, it must, it must be. It must be someone upstairs. Well, I'm suitably chilled. Like, mm. uh, but anyway, to continue, yes, so, so this, <laughs> this falls under the tradition of Ghost Story for Christmas, which was basically started around the time it was written because, of course, Charles Dickens, back to Dickens, wrote A Christmas Carol. And that kind of started the this Citizen ghost... Kane of Christmas stories. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. That <laughs> kind like, of started that. <laughs> this ghost story tradition. Now, obviously, Christmas Carol was set at Christmas, but it became a thing to literally just tell ghost stories at Christmas. Mm. I mean, literally, Victorian England is when it's pop 
popularised and spooky storytelling essentially gave people something to do of an evening back in those Victorian days. And the BBC have really kept this thing alive mm -hmm. because in the 70s they mm. actually had a TV series called A Ghost Story for Christmas that ran from 1971 to 1978 <laughs> and of course came out in a really of, good uh, box set I think yes yeah 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 and one of the things from this era of course is The Signalman uh, yeah, which yeah, we've yeah. actually mentioned on this podcast before because I believe you guys watched it in school well yes I remember being about 11 years old and uh Paul professing his love for Denham Elliott. And yeah. I'm like, am I meant to know who the fuck that is? <laughs> Look, um, and I, I have since seen it since that episode recording, I think. And it is great. And basically, they finished doing those in 1978. In 2005, they returned under the guardianship of Mark Gatiss, uh, one of the League of Gentlemen. And since then, literally every year, he does a new ghost story for Christmas. Uh, usually on BBC Two, often a adaptation of an M.R. James short story. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the kind of uh, ghost stories uh, for Christmas are based on M.R. James or Charles Dickens short stories. So this is very much the tradition that Canafield Ghost falls under, and hence it being adapted loads in those times, often for Christmas. So I think the reason why Sean suggested it is because it's probably something that's become a bit of a festive favourite for him and maybe uh, for many others. Um, because this was released on a Second Sight Blu-ray. Second Sight, one of the lovely boutique Blu-ray companies. That's how I watched it. I rented it from Cinema Paradiso. And so, you know, there's obviously demand enough mm. uh, for this move for it to be get a nice boutique Blu-ray release. Yeah, I was just trying to think about what the uh, recent kind of Ghost Story of Christmas was. And last year, it was the Mesotint, another Gatton's yes, one. Yes, with the one that's got uh, Robert good. Bathurst in it. It was very yeah. good, yeah, yeah. yeah the one, the good. painting, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got the thing that the painting keeps changing, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, that was really just good. comes in the windows. That <laughs> one was very good. And the one they did the prior year with Peter Capaldi as a judge uh, was very, very good as well. <laughs> that, yeah. They, they, <laughs> he they, has got a judge's face, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they, they, judge. I, I mean, genuinely, I, Mark Gates's Ghost Stories Chris, I look forward to every year. They're, they're mm. really, really Do good. Do we know fun. if there's anything like that this year. I've no idea what the upcoming Christmas programming is for TV. I don't think the Christmas schedule has been released as Because it's yet. always the only time I watch, like, terrestrial TV. Because like, you're at your parents, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> believe the schedule has been released yet, but I would be shocked, shocked, if it didn't start Patrick Stewart. <laughs> if there was no, yeah, if there was no Mark Gatiss Christmas story, and if there's any justice in the world, it will star Sir Patrick Stewart. That is no guarantee that we'll start. Has, has, has he now been the star of, am I right, three of the four Christmas specials we've done? Uh, yes. Just Batman yes, and Robin. Yeah, just Batman and Robin. He did, he did not appear in Batman and Robin. I mean, no. he should have done. But didn't he, yeah, was he not in the running for Mr. Freeze? Oh, that would have been great. Uh, was he actual? does it just feel like he should have been? I feel like maybe I've just made that up. Mm. Um, also, while we're clearing up things, uh, Matt, Obviously, yes. you weren't on our Star Trek Prodigy episode, no. and you did tell me some things that you thought about the uh, the series, but I failed to read them out. Did on I? The thing. So I don't know if you wanted to say now your general thoughts on Star Trek Prodigy as a Christmas treat for yourself. Oh my Consider God. this your Christmas present. What's this down? So I don't buy you the same What's one this again. down in my stocking? Oh, my own <laughs> opinions on this TV. Uh, yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it had a really strong opening that set it apart, and then when it fell into the sort of mid-season, like episode sort of three to eight stretch. 
thought it had a really good mix of a couple of two-parters and then the standalones I thought were really great like you know the uh Timer Mock one and the uh, Kobayashi one were great. And I think where it kind of left off was really interesting as well. And I think, I think it's a great way of really differing Star Trek again for a new series by going all non-human cast. And it's so much easier to do an animation. And the focus on it being a kid's show, I think is great. And I think, um, I didn't realize it was a case of season one is carrying on. It's that whole part one, part two thing. So I think around the time you guys were recording, I saw, oh, new episodes on Paramount Plus now available. I'm like, oh shit, it's carrying, it's back already. So I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I think I'll save save it till it's done. Do we um come back for our part two roundup? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. we will be coming back. I mean, we we were all a resounding success. We yeah. were all but I, yeah, I, I agree so, yeah. with the yeah with a lot of what you guys were saying on the episode. Like, uh, you know, a really great way of bringing a Janeway back without it necessarily being until the very end, you know, the one we uh, know and love. And it's taking place in a really good time period for the whole series as well. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, currently watching Star Trek Discovery Season 4, mm. uh, which will be obviously the next series uh, we cover. Um, I've done the first two episodes of that. Uh, so literally I'll continue to do that so we can cover that. Paul, will you be joining us for Star Trek Discovery Season 4? Started the first episode. Well, I finished the first episode. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Are you going to make it through? I mean, because this is the thing. This is what we came up against with Lower Decks. You remember at the end of Lower Decks season one, and I was like, lads, I don't know yeah. if I'll be back. Just go, like, just like, it's never sat well with me. And I think, yeah, this one as well, sort of off to a terrible start. Uh, but, it, <laughs> yeah. but it just reminds me, like, how good Prodigy was and how good Strangely Worlds was. I clicked with that crew immediately. This, this is it. I think knowing and, that season four of Discovery is sounding a bit iffy, but knowing that we've got a great season one of Strange New Worlds to come to counterbalance. I'm like, I can I can get through. Can you watch season one? Oh, no, no, no. It, but yeah, it's, nah. it's so so I'll be able to get through a lackluster discovery season knowing we've got the treat of uh, Strange New Worlds. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Strange New Worlds, then lower deck season three. So yeah, so basically, Paul, you, you can say like, will you be joining us for the season four episode of Discovery? When is it recording? Well, when we've all finished fucking watching it. Oh, well, then, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, Sophie's invested. Yeah, oh, oh, so Sophie's invested. Well, yeah, she's, she's, she enjoys it, like, this, yes. the crew more than me. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Okay, like, um, okay. We'll, we'll check back in when we've all done season four, but you're you're in, you're going to watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll all right, it, yeah. okay, cool, good. You know, it's not a kind of uh, a badgy, full badgy meltdown. No, 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 I'm going to say, it's been just about, you know, it's only a sharp relief when you're you're interspersing it with a DS9 season six. <laughs> yes, my yes, goodness. Sure. Like, that's that's sure. not a fair comparison, that's I guess. fucking show. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back, back the Canterville <laughs> Ghost. Merry Christmas from the Canterville Ghost. Here we go. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. This is the 1996 ABC TV movie version directed by Sid McCartney, most famous for directing an episode of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Mm. Yeah, season two. I hope it's the best season. Oh, well, well there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, did Lucas or Spielbergo actually direct episodes? Lucas produced it all. Uh, well, exactly produced it. Rick McCollum uh, was the producer on the, on the show and the sort of prequel cinematographer like shot it. Blended did they direct any? No, no, oh, there was, okay. but there was some, there was some big directors like uh, on it, like Sid McCartney, not quite that big a name. <laughs> <laughs> 
Simon Winter did a few. He, he did some. Oh, Vic Armstrong, the legendary stunt coordinator. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Joe Johnson did an episode. Oh, right. Nicholas Rowe did an episode, though. Mike Newell. What? Directed an episode? Yeah. The only Indiana Jones? Yes. And, really oh, like. yeah, and that's, that's one of my favourites, when he meets Malahari. Surely, is, is it not just really weird, or did he do it proper? I think he reined it in at that right, point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is written by Robert Bendetti, uh, whose only other credit, writing-wise, is another TV movie, Flight from Hell, starring... <laughs> Another Starfleet captain, Scott Bakula. Oh, man. He's in the lead of that. So it's kind of like, you know, that thing. Of is this, this... going to be a Halloween special? Well, maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's pretty Scott cool. That his two writing credits, you know, both have the leads of Starfleet captains. Like, yeah, he needs to get back in the game and do another one. But get Avery Brooks out of retirement. But yeah, like I say, this is the 1996 adaptation. Uh, there's loads and loads of other versions of this. There was a 1944 film with Charles Lawton. Mm. There's a 1966 TV movie with Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> uh, there's a 1986 version with John Gilgood. 1962 version with Bernard Cribbins. 1974 version with David Niven. And 1997 TV film with Ian Richardson. And then Rick Mail is the is in that as well. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, he's the he's the vicar in that. So because I stumped, I worked for another YouTube one, and it's um we'll go into that, but it's a very different take. Oh, okay, <laughs> so okay. So this role of Sir Simon de Canterville is uh, been passed down through the acting greats. Yeah, I mean this is you know a, a, a grand tradition. Maybe that's why Sir Patrick wanted to do this. Um, no, but... I think it's like what attracted this this project that includes a ten minute Shakespearean monologue. Of Sir <laughs> yeah. Patrick. Yes, yes, that is that is true. <laughs> the difference with this version, obviously, it's based on a short story from eighteen eighty seven. Is it is set in the modern day, so it's a modern day adaptation. I must admit, when this started, I did not know it was a modern day adaptation. <laughs> I literally was watching it, and it was going across all English countryside. I was just like, "Oh, this is obviously a period movie." And even when it's just on, the midnight, and it was, even when they were on the train, and Eve Campbell was checking her smartphone, and I was like, "No, it's still like, yeah." And then when they, she got, wasn't checking her phone. No, she wasn't. I'm making a joke. It's a Tamagotchi of that. <laughs> <laughs> the geopet like, uh, but when they got out of the uh, car at the end and suddenly I saw the kids in like baseball caps and that I was like oh it this felt is a bit, day. it felt a bit like Hook when uh, when uh, Robin uh, Williams uh, took the phone tub in London it's like bloody like a storybook with the snow falling and everybody's mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and I was just like oh this is modern day setting this is kind of weird choice straight away rather than setting it kind of period and of it course, it kind of makes sense for what the story is, though. Which you know, the yeah, ghost yeah. is from the past. Yes, the ghost is from the past, and they are from the mm. uh, present. So the ghost would be from well, he's not even from because at first I thought, oh, they made it so the ghost is from the time when the story was written, but it isn't no, because he's, he's the ghost another, knew William another, Shakespeare. Exactly, he's had another two hundred years added to a sentence. Like, yes, so we're setting in the nineties. Yeah. Like he's mm. had another couple hundred years to deal with it. Yeah, it's been even harder. And like I said, this also stars Neve Campbell. Absolutely bizarrely, like I say, this was first broadcast in 1996. This is the same fucking year. She goes scream. Well, she finishes this, goes straight onto the onto screen, I presume, and films that. And yeah. Out at the end of the year. Yeah, cause I mean, that's mad, isn't it? Go from this to fucking Scream, one of the greatest horror films of all time. I don't know. She's got the screen, the horror chops already, and she's done TV, and uh, <laughs> yes. she can handle herself with a ghost. I mean, a... I would say a stretch calling this film horror, in all honesty. <laughs> but like, it was yeah, really weird watching it going like, oh yeah, there's young Neve Campbell, and then realising it is 
the same year as Scream. <laughs> and be like, I just, I just assumed this was like 92 or something because she looks so much younger as well. Mm. And, and transplanting it into the British countryside is just a... When's Wild Things? Is that 96 as well? Two years 98. later. 90 years later. So. Right, okay, okay. I was about to say, because that would be really weird if Wild, well, if she Wild kept Things... Her, she so kept much. her top on in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I was watching true. closely. No, no nipple claws and no contract. Um, yeah, because that would be really weird if that was this. Because this, she's very much playing into... I mean, obviously she's older because you know she's the same age pretty much as Scream but she's very much playing into that uh, little girl she's kind of doing the thing is it Maggie Grace from the Taken films yeah. uh, who's literally like 45 and well, playing like Liam Neeson's teenage daughter in those movies well, but, yeah. she is she is great in this though in, Campbell, in terms of like you could, she's just like holding this film together like she is so good and uh, well, she yeah. very much does that whole thing it's almost the Chris, almost the early Kristen Stewart tick of like having a little thing to do and repeatedly doing it so being all kind of bashful around uh, the foppish Casper like oh, the comes along <laughs> and just doing a lot of like you know looking down at her. she does it very well she does it a lot <laughs> yeah I actually looked up the actor who played the oh, Duke fucking everything uh, because I was like yeah number one I recognised him from our things but number two I was like, wait a minute, he's a fucking duke. Like, is he, like, because obviously in this, she's meant to be like a teenage girl. I was like, is he too old for her? But I looked at he's only two years older, the actor. And like, you forget these things are hereditary, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, it's fine. But the parents seem fine. He's a two-year-old older, and he's like, you're graced, you've shit on my leg. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what does this guy have on Brad Pitt, right? This duke guy, the actor. Canterville Ghost. I mean, this is selective filmography, sure, but Canterville Ghost. Then two more things in the 90s. Then nothing until a string of Fury, Allied, and War Machine. Three Brad Pitt vehicles in the space of like (laughs) three years. I mean, literally, yeah. I mean, nowadays, we dread to know what he's got on Brad Pitt. Exactly. And the bill. On the bill. Well, I mean, there you go. He's a true acting legend. And and he did Holby and Casualty. And the Crown and Sex Education, so you know, new TV. I should say that both Jason Isaacs and Dominic Keating from Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Enterprise, respectively, have played guest roles on the bill. So the bill is eligible for on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, yeah. So just to let you know. Other actors in this include Joan Sims. Joan Sims was kind of a regular in the uh, Carry On films. And we have Leslie Phillips mm-hmm. as well. The late Leslie. Recently, dearly departed Leslie mm-hmm. Phillips. I, he's one of these people I was like, he's still alive? Well, <laughs> I found out he'd passed away very, very sadly. I got real love for Leslie Phillips. I just think he was great. Yeah. And one of my big things that I really love Leslie Phillips for is... Carry on. <laughs> well... Also in that. Yeah, he was also in the carry Well, he's in the, some of the early Carry On films. He isn't one of the kind of Carry On regulars from later on, but he's in Carry On Nurse, which is the second Carry On film, which he's very good in. Hello, chaps. Mr. Bell. Ding dong, you're not wrong. <laughs> this way, please. Hello. Hello. Get into bed, Mr. Bell. I say, look here, nurse. Here, I'm going to be in and out of here inside a few days. Well, surely I don't have to go to Bye Bye. Fun film. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's in- incredibly sexist and misogynist now. <laughs> but it's a fun film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes. the, thing, the thing I remember him really well for is playing Phileas Fogg oh. in the BBC Radio 4 adaptation. Four-part, like, really brilliant adaptation of that novel and he is just amazing 
as Phineas Fogg perfect. And that's what I remember him as most mm. now. Can you name mm. what the character he voices in the Harry Potter series? The Sorting Hat. Yeah, he's the Sorting Hat. Yeah. Okay, you know well, that. I've read the obituaries like less than five minutes ago. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, he's the Sorting Hat, which... Um, oh yeah, died seven. Do we all know which right? house we're in? I wouldn't know what no. this is. Okay, well, I'm Hufflepuff. The transphobic house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hufflepuff, the most transphobic house and all. I mean, uh, I should say Dwayne The Rock Johnson is also in Hufflepuff. Oh, like, uh, excuse me. So there you go. <laughs> so watch out. Fucking Black Adam's in there. <laughs> it just sounds like a playable character on Super Smash Brothers. Like, or Black uh, Adam or yeah, Dwayne Hufflepuff. The Rock. Hufflepuff. Oh, well, Hufflepuff <laughs> is meant to be like the nerds one, basically. Like, going like the fucking... Because there's, there's Hufflepuff, but like I say... Dwayne the Rock Johnson's Hufflepuff, so I'm fine with it. Um, there's Hufflepuff. How do you find out which one you are? Well, you do, years ago you do one of those bullshit Buzzfeed, like uh, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. or like yeah. So there's Hufflepuff, which is like the geeks one. You've got Gryffindor, which is the one all the main characters are in. So it's like the heroes one. Gryffindor. Um, <laughs> then you've got Slytherin, yeah, which John is Rickman. which is the bad one. Yeah. I mean, I always was like, surely the sort. Of I want to be in Hans Gruber's team. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Surely the Sorting hat says you go be a Sovereign. I'm kind of like get put on a list. You should just expel them immediately. <laughs> why, why? Why have you got a house that's like literally like yeah? There, that's where all the evil was. House go. criminal. Like, like John Bender. Ah, oh, just <laughs> yeah. go to the house of evil. Every single uh, child who's ever attended this house has gone on to become a serial killer. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and you've got Ravenclaw, which is the kind of ultra kind of academic. Of like uh, side effects, say <laughs> ultra right wing. Like, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, knowing J.K. Rowling these days, quite possibly. But yeah, that is he did play, he did voice the sourcing hat. Yes. So that was Leslie Phillips, Phil. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Spielberg directed him in Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Oh yeah, is he in Empire of the Sun? Yeah, he's his party in in uh, in Shanghai. They go to just on the eve of the invasion. I haven't seen Empire of the Sun in a long time, yeah. but I do think it's great. Oh, mm-hmm. great. I really mm-hmm. like Empire of the Sun. So. Uh, yeah, this is uh, a Christmas ghost story, as we say. So Neve Campbell and her family uh, move in to where is it? Was it called? Have you got a quaint little here? village? Well, it was shot in um, Hertfordshire, mm-hmm. uh, Nebworth House. Oh yeah, know. Nebworth House, famous been house. Used, yeah. uh, a lot of things. Is that where Nebworth is? Like when they do the big gigs in Nebworth? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. called Cast Cannibal Hall, and for the purpose of this. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah have, you, have you got a little pot summary description? Well, you basically said it. This this family are, are living in this house and uh, they start getting spooked. You know, the whole town is aware of the, this legend of this ghost, this titular Canterville ghost, and how it always kind of spooks people out in no time at all. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Despite him being the least scary ghost. In the- <laughs> this is the thing. There's this thing of like, oh, every single, there's been multiple families prior to this that have been scared yeah. off by the Canterville ghost. I'm like, it's not fucking Amityville. You it's fucking have a laugh. <laughs> like, it literally, like, Patrick Stewart, all he does is turn up and quote Shakespeare. Like, he's not genuinely scary. Like, why are people getting scared off? To give him his due, like, he um, he doesn't quite reveal himself, does he? It, the first night of haunting is about the things that should unsettle you. Things, unexplained noises, rattling of door handles. Yes, yes. It basically goes pure Robert White's haunting on the, on the thing, mm-hmm. which is... It's not as effective because the sound design is poor. <laughs> but um, in this, but like I remember just actually having like chills up my spine with the haunting, which just 
rely so much on sound design. Yeah. And even in mono, like that film is like got got it. But yeah, this one does all that kind of low level stuff. Yeah, so the cannibal ghost, you know, he's um, just to kind of finish off the plot. Essentially, mm. he's been a ghost there for like 400 years. Clearly, every cannibal sort of um, descendant has been unable to rent out Cannibal Hall because of successive hauntings. Just kind of given into it, really. And uh, but you got these, you know, Americans. He just, you know, in they seem to be another source of income. The dad doesn't but he believe. Seems, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the dads are not a believer, uh-huh. and and this is the kind of thing he can't see it. But the children do believe in they, uh, in ghosts. They've got a bit more of an open mind about these things and um, aren't scared. And that's the trouble. The ghost can't get them out. He wants the hall empty so he can just kind of be there in, in peace mm-hmm. and just lament his like awful existence. He's been cursed for all time by a witch um, who was brought in by the family of his uh, wife, whom he drove to suicide. Um, so the, the, the story is that... Lovable character. That he, uh, dark yeah, backstory. He, well, yeah, his friend like uh, got in his ear and said, your wife's cheating on you because he wanted her. He believed it and was absolutely horrible to her. Yeah. And, you know, kept a prisoner in the house and just berated her and to the point where she, like, actually just killed herself. Would wish to know how I became a ghost. Well, Luke said that you were suspected of killing your wife. I drove her to such despair and she killed herself. Every moment I miss her, I was doomed to walk the night. And then he just, like, was so bereft that he offered himself to the family and said, you know, whatever punishment you see fit, I will take it. So they chained him in the basement to starve to death. But also, not before they put a curse on him. By just, yeah. They brought a witch in, they didn't brought, they? They brought a witch in. Yeah, yeah. brought a witch in special. Uh, and um, she cursed him to say, you, you have to like sit here during the day and walk at night when the moon's out and basically be a ghost forever um, and think about what you've done, really. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as you've mentioned this, I feel like let's just get into this now. So this whole thing, when he reveals the reason why he's, mm. you know, ghosting about and everything mm. like that and the curse and all that stuff, were you not just, like, all sympathy gone? <laughs> I think there's, a, there's an element of, like, the length of time that's spent, yes. you know, he's done his time. I think that's the thing. Is you're, at this point, he's, like, learned his lesson. I think this is why mm. people have life imprisonment. It's supposed to be a punishment. Yes. So it's like, rather yeah. than just killing them, yeah. you know, because it's, like... You got you got to suffer. He's been and recuperated after say seventy years, but we're on year four hundred and twelve or whatever. Yeah, so you're like, saying like basically he he served his time. Also, he knows he was wrong. Like it was, yeah. uh, he sees like he was duped, and like you know, it was the worst elements of his personality came out, and he was he regrets it completely. Yeah. He was in mm. love with this person, drove crazy by you know somebody else pouring poison in his ear, but he's responsible for his actions. He's paid his penance, but this penance has gone on way too long. Well, I do and, feel for those reasons, his he should be, you know, his character should be a lot more doolally. Like, imagine Bill Murray and Groundhog Day after this many well, years. Like, this is the thing. I think the, I think you hit on a really good point, Matt, because mm. this is like, in uh, the other adaptation I, I, I stumbled upon, the Ian Richardson one, it is played so broadly, and the, and it's so for laughs, and, you know, and the kids are like, you know, putting, it's home alone, and they're like teasing him, and like, you know, putting buckets for him to fall in. And I think the original story was like, uh, even the Oscar Wilde one was a lot more of a comedy. And, and I think part of it's like, Taking it back a real step. I mean, as broad as it gets, is the kind of leading into the more Shakespearean when they kind of are puppeteering a um, Mm. a uh, a suit of armor to kind of scare him. He thinks it's another ghost. That's just kind of like slapstick as it actually gets. Yes. And but that was a huge element of like the other adaptation I saw. So it's like those were actually you know skewing closer to the source material. He's gone. Actually, I think this is kind of a cold winter's tale of this soul spending these you know four hundred years having to deal with this thing. You know, there's the kind of element I think that's been added to this about the Shakespearean. I mean, they really play that up, I think, for this, mm-hmm. where he has to kind of um, play a ghost in a play so that the dad can see him 
And once they, the dad sees him, they can kind of hopefully un- unravel the curse. The dad is like fucking Scully from X-Files. He literally doesn't believe nothing. No, like whenever no. he likes it, he's like, even when he sees the play, he's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Nice trick. And like, what fucking trick? What, <laughs> what do you think your daughter's done like to make this work? Like, uh, yeah, you fucking yeah. madman. Well, the dad was the terribly, terrible actor. Uh, I think he had, he, he Star Trek alumni too. He was in two episodes, well, episode of DS, oh, really? DS9 and an episode of Next Gen. So he's yeah. clearly like, you know, got some on Patrick but he died before this came out oh really what yeah the guy played yeah, dad? 40, yeah damn damn how did he die he was, I looked, tried to look it up no mystery. information no information god a mystery perhaps he was cursed cursed That's by the Cantonville ghost they have a cast of like you know I think there's a comedic sort of the how, the, the, the staff of the place Sinden yeah. and Joan Sims yeah. are like feel like they've just stepped out of Cluedo and there's uh, as well yeah. to be fair yeah well, he comes in he's just doing a kind of eccentric lord isn't mm. he like it's not too much over the top the Colonel Mustard yeah Colonel Mustard <laughs> is incredible Colonel Mustard I've well, got a super quick sidebar where this whole thing where you're saying, you know, the ghost has to scare the people out of his house is the exact plot of a Sega Mega Drive game, I don't know if you remember, Paul, called Haunting. No. Where you play a ghost called Poltergeist. Right. And it's exactly this. I remember it being really fun. Basically, all you do is you go around the house and you can haunt and possess various items so the family can't see. You didn't have a Genesis. No, but I played this at some point. I don't know. Was this adapted for the comic at any time? Well, no, but like, so the family walk around this house and they can't see you, and you can hop into anything. So you can choose what to hop into and poltergeist power it. So whether you hop into the dartboard and it starts to bleed, or the TV and it goes funny, Mm. and you have to raise the family's fear levels. Mm. And I think the stuff like you know the kids are harder to scare than like the dad or something, or easy to scare than the dad. So Mm. it kind of has different difficulties, but. I remember playing it quite a bit, but it must have been quite short because it's like there's only so many times you can walk around this house and like possess the rug or the computer and watch them run away. Mm. But it was very satisfying to just sort of like skirt it, about. Is every right, let's let's take a quick poll here. Is everybody what's everybody's thing? You know, monster, spectre, phantom. Mm. Um, what is it that actually gets under your skin the most? Zombies. What's the thing over the longest period of your life? is the thing that kind of gets you the most kind of chilled. I do think ghosts can be very unsettling. I, like, literally, there's been a couple of uh, BBC ghost story for Christmas, like, on the radio that I found. There was one I was listening to uh, one time about, would have been about 15 years ago or something like that, when I was sitting for my mum. And I was listening to this radio play at Christmas it was a ghost story for Christmas. It was this kind of like ghost in the machine type thing where it was like, I think it was like a radio DJ or something like that or um, or someone is getting phone calls and it's like, you know, obviously a ghost within the phone or something like that. And like, literally, I found it really fucking freaky. And I must say, uh, I find the Babadook, uh, if you've seen that, I find mm. that very unsettling. That's very much a ghostly kind of presence uh, that's kind of like just in the kind of you know in the shadows yeah, in the yeah. corner. That I, f- I thought that was a really unsettling film in terms of modern modern movies. That's something I definitely found quite unsettling. Mm. Well, yeah, we're sort of talking about real life as well, like what actually like scares us and things. Well, uh, yeah, no, I would say uh, the the question was movies and uh, oh, okay, and so yeah, yeah, met a ghost in real life. Or, well, or no, radio, like yeah, just any you know, any media. What is the kind of thing that kind of gets in your skin? Yeah, well, no, I think it's ghosts with. Um, almost a hint of just the more unexplained. So stuff that isn't necessarily, say, a ghost, but something weird that happens that just does not 
have an explanation you can find for. And, you know, and some of these do kind of happen. It's just like, this is really, and it, you know, it can really settle into your head. Mm-hmm. So with us recently in where I live, it was Halloween in lockdown, 2020, I think. And we've got this, I think I told you guys this, that we've got this like sort of attic hatch that isn't in the ceiling. It's on like a wall that's leading into the ceiling. So oh, so this so is like a black Christmas situation. So it's, yeah, so it's a vertical door. It's not an overhang. And on Halloween of all days, we turn the corner to the bottom of our stairs and look up and this thing is wide open, right? Ah. And it's got a magnetic strip on it to keep it closed. So if you were to open it from the inside, you really need to give it a shove. So we're like, maybe it's the wind, but you have to really shove it. And it's not like it just popped open and stayed there. It was like all the way open. And we cannot cannot reach it ourselves. Oh no. And the ladder to get up there is broken. Oh God. So we were just like, what the hell opened this? Mm. So, you know, we do what we did. This is where you realize that, you know, all the times you scream at characters in horror films, you would do the dumb stuff as well. We're like, I'm going to take my phone to a stick, hit record on a video and bring this stick up and poke it in. And it couldn't see anything. This is the thing. it may have been windy outside, but apart it's, from it's, the end of the episode, <laughs> yeah, but it's been windier and it hasn't opened. And so when it came around to Halloween last year and this year, or maybe this was last year. So when it came around Halloween this year, it was like that thing opens again on this day when something is up, but it stayed shut. Man. But we had to shut it with like a broom to like slam it yeah. shut again. So none of us opened it from the outside. Don't know how to open the inside. Needed a good old shove to get Man. past that magnetic strip. There's someone still yeah. up there. Well. I remember I posted it on Twitter because I just got this photo and it was just this like black void when you looked into it. And then a friend of mine was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't see anything. And he reposted the photo, but had photoshopped in Michael Myers' face just insanely faintly in, in, in it. And I was like, oh God, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh my that's Lord. A, that's, a, that's a friend right there. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I'm going to say, yeah, for me, it's, it's supernatural. It's the ghosts thing, like by far and away, like in life and in in movies. I think mm-hmm. it's like, well, I know they don't exist, but I, as a kid, I swear I saw one mm. and it was um, in my first flat, which I lived when I up to age of four or five. Yeah. Everybody's in the kitchen, but mm. I saw somebody move in the corridor behind me. Mm. It went across into my bedroom and then there was nobody in my bedroom. Like peripheral vision. Peripheral vision. And I, you know, I saw that move across. So there's always been this kind of like, Weird. Oh, maybe, maybe there is something there. Like, I think it's because I, I, you know, it's just, no, it's, not, it's obviously not real, but it's, it's sometimes the, the power suggestion. Yeah. You, of course, uh, remember when in your old uh, family home, you discovered that like well in your back garden. Yes, that's right. It was just touched. a hole down into nothing. Yeah, there was, we, were, we were basically the one reason our kitchen didn't come out like every other house on the road. When we decided to get the extension done, found out the reason why it wasn't wider than it was because there was a 30-foot well <laughs> under the patio. That was paved over by the just point was, The point where it's like the builder, when they piped it, almost fell in, yeah. like, you know, to this castle. And there wasn't anything down there when you had it checked out? Well, these bones, yeah, <laughs> of course, but like... Uh, <laughs> but nothing weird happened since. It's not like we kept the bones. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, there was... It was um, I remember seeing at my granddad at my grandma's house, there was like a late night sort of... It was a documentary, but it was sort of um, in Venice, like a house that was haunted. And like people would walk down into the kitchen at night and all the knives would be stuck into the wall, Ooh. into one of the cabinets. That really fucked me up. Poltergeist, I love, but I, I think that comes down to Jerry Goldsmith scores the shit out of the, out of the ghouls in that movie. You, even last year, resurrected this fear of mine with The Uninvited uh, on Criterion, which yeah. is a 1944 ghost story. Very good. Which contains some amazing sort of ghostly effects towards the end, which um, still had power. So um, I think ghosts far and away for me. And I think this had 
a ghost in it, but they had no no scares. No. Well, this yeah. has inspired me to do a, a mini season of like spooky Christmassy type ghost stories mm. over, over the Christmas period. Get on some of those old nineteen forties ones for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to watch uh, Dead of Night, um, which has a Christmas horror story in it, um, which is an anthology. I've seen that movie. Forties. Yeah, really and there's cool. also Recently, yeah. there's also the film A Christmas Horror Story with William Shatner. Oh yeah, well I mean, anthology. Yeah. yeah, put put it on the put it on the list. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and a ghost story with uh, Casey Affleck. Yeah, have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. It's one of the most incredible films. Like mm-hmm. even, even scarier now that we know about Casey Affleck being. Well, I knew that at the time. <laughs> I, I find like it was difficult because it was like right after the Manchester by Sea sort of win, and it was like really kind of like should he go on it because of what he, he is. But fucking hell is that movie? And it's really good. It nothing. I think about it all the time. Actually, so do I. It lives rent free in my head. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know if I want to watch it again, in like, the sense of nothing quite portrays the passing of time within space, because obviously he's stuck haunting this house, and then the way that movie is edited is there's no like cut to a few years later. It just kind of happens in the space of like a turn. So it's like he's out of time as this ghost, and suddenly it's like. Now there's a new family moving in. Now they've moved out. Now it's being knocked down. And it's all just, it's like, you know, time carries on. And yeah, what you, you can't what leave you live space. in, in a space yeah. is just this amorphous thing. I do want to see it. Yeah. And also Manchester by Sea is extremely good. Yeah. Uh, to be fair. I mean, yeah, David Lowry, man, he's he's five for five, whatever he's on now. Because Pete's Dragon's great. Yeah, Pete's Dragon's uh, very good. Old Man yeah. the Gun is great. Green oh, Knight is very Oh, he's got great. his Peter Pan thing coming out. Yeah. So, what yeah. was the Green? The Green Knight. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Fucking Green Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. Ghost Story is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, watch that. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Great, song well, too. great score. Well. Yeah, yeah. That main yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, sounds like you've got a Black Christmas situation at yours. Um, yeah. Man. I need to. You see Black Christmas? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I, I that gives me chills. That has. Really that that is. Still. That is really scary. I now. would say another reason why Patrick Stewart perhaps is kind of like as he's a co-producer on this project has kind of like taken that sort of more of a kind of children's literary family sort of event sort of vibe with this picture rather than playing it strict for lies but making it kind of a a kind of morality tale story i think you look at black beauty with sean bean 94 secret garden 93 francis coppola produced that very kind of handsome mm-hmm. adaptation of that mm-hmm. book and you've got like these really well mounted usually with warner brothers adaptations of like victorian classics for children which have been under the warner family mm-hmm. entertainment mm-hmm. label so i feel like there's a real appetite for this kind of programming and i and i think he's just he's clever in terms of he's thought about like you know this could be a real stalwart kind of holiday classic if we get it right and i think it doesn't quite come up but it's, it's clearly got enough of a cult following to still get released today it's all mm. talked about um and i think there's a few reasons why one is i think the score mm-hmm. is excellent it won an emmy for like most best yes, dramatic score won an emmy, yeah from from the opening titles i was like oh this is a bit above the, above <laughs> the, the uh the norm. for a film i'm watching well, for free the, on youtube yeah. well this is the thing that these things stick out at me and i'm like Oh, this is not a bad score because usually those are the things that kind of really show a low quality, oh, yeah, yeah. the mm. low budget. You know, they just didn't get the right guy in. Like, it's out. like library music and library music, yeah, and sort of very telegraphed. And this one had a bit of, it kind of added the, the budget where the budget couldn't really go in mm-hmm. terms of the scale. And I think that's more very evident towards the end where they essentially do a poltergeist, don't they? They kind of have the other side, and and um, you know, so the, the story kind of concludes in that um, Patrick Stewart as the cannibal ghost. Uh, needs a representative in the afterlife to argue his case that he's done his time as a good person and he needs he needs to be set free from the curse and talk to the angel of death mm-hmm. to make that case. They do this, but going through the fireplace, the fireplace opens up 
and they step into the the fog the realm machine, of darkness, and you don't see it, yeah. and they emerge from it. Like, and I was like, didn't stretch to that. Well, Sophie and I argued about this about like whether we should have seen it or not, and she's like, you know, I think if you did, they couldn't have done it well enough to be. Mm. It would have it would have been a thing, so you'd have to come out and and been pulled out of the other side in mm. Poltergeist fashion. You need like a Guillermo del Toro adaptation where you can get real freaky with the big creature for the angel of death. Yes. Eyes all over the wings. Classic Del Toro. Yeah. And I think, you know, I wanted to see on what they're going to do with this, but you don't get to see it. And like, yeah, I'm slightly disappointed. But um... like you say, I think, I mean, this is an ABC TV movie from 1996. I think they didn't have the the budget to couple of it's It's one of those weird things where obviously you watch a TV movie from this time, shot film and stuff like that. Like obviously you could get a lovely Blu-ray transfer, so weird way it often looks kind of like really nice now, like watching it. Obviously, I like how I watched the Blu-ray, mm. so literally. Well, we were saying off mic, weren't we, that, that we think it was Second Sight who put out the great Anna, Anna, Anna and It Apocalypse was, yeah, it was Second Sight that put out Anna and Apocalypse. Yep. Fantastic uh, a Christmas movie uh, as well. Other opinions. Like, oh, available. yeah, yeah, you didn't like it, did you? Oh, don't listen to Paul no listeners. Spotlighters! Well, it is two, <laughs> two against one, but I didn't like that. <laughs> like, you, you've, you've heard how he's slagged off Star Trek Discovery already. Like, like yeah, what is this What is this, Scrooge? <laughs> <laughs> you will be visited by three guys. Like, uh, yeah, and the Pockets. Uh, second Sight did a lovely Blu-ray of that. Very, very good. Uh, but they released the, uh, yeah, Blu-ray of this. And so, literally, there is an audience out there, and they did a really nice job there it's a lovely transfer i mean if you are yeah if you are a fan the audience is out there and his name is short We've all agreed that ghosts are the shit when it comes to horror. Yes, um, yeah. And Peace Jew, to bring it back to Canterville Ghost, does get an effective entrance at least in this. With his dulcet um, tones. Yeah, when he kind of like, he literally his arm comes out onto Neve Campbell's shoulder, turns around, there's a lightning strike, and we see. Well, I think no, he's introduced for the opening bit. Like he's he basically narrates the open tars, like telling yeah, but I'm being on screen. Yeah, but I I find that like device. I think it was basically ill advised. It was sort of completely out of context and kind of what you're about to see. Like you don't know what it means. It doesn't set you up. It's just repeating what you're going to hear later. It's just that they couldn't wait to get Patrick Stewart into the into the show. Yeah, like, and because you they should have saved him for when he's actually quite late. Yeah, it's like when's Patrick Stewart going to turn up? Like it'd be you know it's exciting, build the tension for it. But like they just kind of like we need to get him and his voice in at least at the beginning, mm. and you know there isn't like a poem or anything like that. It's not like it doesn't have any great meaning, other than kind of the plot device later on. So just saying it like on its own, I feel it falls flat. Um, this is a thing we've seen in other films and stuff like that, where you have one of the main characters like talk over the beginning of the movie, like the mm-hmm. opening shot. So my favourite examples are um, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh-huh. For a long time, I wish my sins wouldn't find me. And it's over a shot of him putting the hatchet in a chest, and it's like the Patriot. Like it sets up the film, and then there's another one, the A New World, like as well, where it has this amazing shot and has Pocahontas talking over that, and it just sort of sets the scene up, it sets the movie, but it doesn't need to be a, a plot point. It just sort of sets the tone. But this, it just feels kind of like you just wanted Patrick Stewart in there early, didn't you? And who could blame them? Because I mean, you know, this is a man 
who's got Shakespeare in his veins, and you can tell. And also, I watched there. This is wild, though. He's he's got wild in his veins here. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But there's some special features on this Blu-ray, uh, which are interviews with the writer and the director and such. And uh, you can tell that they are like, yeah, you know, the reason piece she wanted to do this is like the chance to be kind of, you know, because he's getting to do Shakespeare. His character is actually put in here the idea that his character might have influenced Shakespeare in some way. Like, yeah, yeah there's a bit where is this like about, uh, Roland Emmerich's Anonymous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a bit where she's saying about he's like, oh, that was one of mine. I I inspired Willie when we were in the pub. Like, uh, yeah, it's like literally <laughs> that kind of thing. And um, the, there is a bit with him like performing and reading sonnets and all kinds of it. At the end, the I wife... says sonic then for a second. <laughs> no, 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 the gold coins, the gold hoops. <laughs> the wife I at must the read end the is like, Will you read sonic? me another sonnet? Like, yeah, all that because you're all is fucking forgiven. So I think that's the, the kind of material that would have attracted him here. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like he's having a good time. He's taking it seriously yeah. as Pichu does. Like, even the um, moment, which is the, like, it's in the broadest moment, because apparently the original short story was very humorous. So it obviously has humour, you know, deep within it. It's not a case of the original story was super scary and they've done a kiddie version. Obviously, it's a humorous ghost story. And um, literally, there is the moment where the two brothers have made a fake ghost to basically make out like it's the original That's ghost the Home Alone moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it kind of looks like Doctor Doom also with the, the ghost they made. And he's like, oh, I am the, you know, the regular ghost of this house. And like, he's obviously a bit like shit scared of this other ghost. And then when he realises he's been fooled, he's like, ridiculed! <laughs> and there's a great bit where he says, why must I be afflicted by these Americans? God damn yanks! <laughs> it's Americans. Americans! <laughs> yes. But it's funny, it's like he must have like picked up a bit of the news on the way because like by the time Shakespeare died, uh, the New World had only just been, the, the Jamestown settlement was less than like 10 years old. So, I mean, it must have been like, uh, if you read the newspapers that have come in over the centuries. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Like, literally, he's got to, got to pass the time somehow. What do you reckon of his uh, ridiculous slash amazing wig? His flowing... Uh, I, I had no problem with that. It suits the character, doesn't it? I think, the whole look. I think I'm fine. It's one of those things where because... Because he can often seem weird with hair because it's Patrick Stewart. But I think in that time, wigs were the done thing, weren't they? Yeah. So I think, yeah. like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel like a weird thing to have. It doesn't feel out of place because that is was the regular thing back in those days. Well, like, the 90s. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, 1986, that was the done thing. But, you know, it was. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like a big no. deal, to be honest. And, um... You're right about, you know, this being pretty funny in places. And there are parts where it feels like the script is funnier than maybe some of the delivery. So there's a great bit where there's that sort of snipe at Hamlet when um, I think it's Neve Campbell says, that, you know, people like the ghost of Hamlet's father because he came in early, you know, when people were still awake. <laughs> they remember him in the play. <laughs> and it just kind of like rolls over. And I was just like, oh, wait, no, that's actually quite funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean... This is very, very <laughs> slight, isn't it? And very, very It's very harmless. CBBC, is what it is. Yeah. I've, I mean, apart from, of course, the overall message, which essentially is that, I mean, this is a guy who drove his fucking wife to death. Like, mm. literally says she fucking killed herself with a dagger. 
Uh, because he was driving her fucking mad by locking her in the house and not letting her out. And so after mm. he, you know, got yeah. convinced, she yeah. cheated on him. And it's, suddenly, it's suddenly extra dark, isn't it? As if they've been yes. like, go, having, yes. all these, having all these fun japes with peace to you. And then it like, turns around and goes like, oh yeah, I mass murdered like a burn a whole town. Or something. Well, really this dark. is the thing. Like, as much as I completely agree with you, Paul, that, you know, he served his time at the end of the day it's like the, he you know he fell on his sword he said hey look I've done this thing rehabilitate he got, he got fully punished not only did they go right we're fucking locking you in to starve to death but we've, we've got a witch here as well like, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's gonna catch is the me. witch really necessary yeah yes. I mean, it's, it's insult well, to it, injury well they're talking about a manslaughter charge at worst <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like you know yeah, um, he didn't kill her but but it's that thing of, while I accept all that, so at the end, when it's like, oh, he's been basically forgiven by the fucking spirits or whatever. The angel of death. Yeah, the angel of death, and like the tree lights up and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, I can kind of, I'm kind of okay with that idea, him being forgiven. He's, you know, he's served his time, does penance. But then, when they find at the end, they they find his remains. Mm. They find his remains, and they choose to bury them next to his wife, who's called Lady Eleanor, by the way. <laughs> literally, they choose to bury him next to her. And I was literally straight away. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! Does she ever say this? Like, yeah, I'm just like, should they really be buried together? Considering Joe's in a fucking suicide, is she gonna be that like welcoming to him? And then at the end. Uh, Neve Campbell goes to the grave side and kind of lays down some flowers and says, please forgive him to the the wife. And says, basically, he taught me about love. And then we hear on voiceover the wife welcoming Pishu back in. She's like, oh, read me another sonnet, Sir Simon. And he's like, starts, he starts reading, he's like, oh my love, like, re- reads her another sonnet. <laughs> and so obviously everything's fine between them. She's welcomed back with open arms. And I was like, wouldn't she be like, what? Who are you? Yeah, wouldn't she be like, <laughs> wait a minute, you years. drove me to fucking suicide, you cunt. Like, uh, literally, I'm obviously not going to be happy to see you. I, I just found it like really kind of like, what did what? Lady Eleanor think of this? Did she watch oh, it? Oh, she did not watch it. She chose, <laughs> she didn't watch it. But I told her about this aspect and she was not impressed. Um, literally. If I was a ghost, I have 500 years to like get me over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just, that ending, I was like, I'm fine with him being forgiven. He says I'm fine, but I think to be, leave your wife alone, mate. You, you've literally you fucked it yeah. you fucked you've it you've got what, a new life now you're basically, free once, I would say once a man has driven his wife to suicide I feel like he's <laughs> I think he's I think he's you're fucked that I think he's fucked that relationship I don't think there's any going back yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know. and it is to death do us part so they have been apart like, yeah exactly I'm like for 400 years so I think, the bells I think respect it just leave it you know let her be happy whatever she's doing in the underworld or whatever like I just yeah, I, I thought for me, I was like kind of appalled yeah. um, by that. There's there's another moment that has more unintentional humour for me, which is when the dad in the morning realises Ginny is missing, you know, and she's done the classic uh, pillow under the uh, duvet to make it look like you're sleeping. The speed at which the search for her ramps up is almost like a spoof. Because it's like him running around going, she's missing, let's look around the house. Right, you guys take the house room, we'll take the grounds. It's like, yeah, fine. Then suddenly word gets to the town and it feels like within the space of like 20 minutes the entire town has a search party out and it's yeah. like, whoa, 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 Everyone calm, the calm down. She might have down. just been in the fucking toilet, you know. <laughs> it's just like the whole town just descends well, they, on like... It doesn't look like there's a lot of much else going on. Yeah. 
Because there was such a strange Scouring bit. Scouring the woods. Well, there's a lot of bit with the towns where they kind of set up like the... Um, yeah. He goes to the, the pub and meets the... the he, well, the, the bartender is the police chief. <laughs> yeah. The telephone, telephone exchange. The postman, the policeman. And, and then the they vet. kind of introduce the vicar very briefly and there's loads of scenes set in the church. It's like, what what, what was all this like, set up about? Because it just feels like it goes nowhere. It just it just felt like an awful lot of kind of like window dressing for like very little purpose. And when they're at the pub, they're very much like... They're kind of almost a bit gloaty, aren't they? In terms of like he's moved into the haunted house. They're like... Yes, every family's been scared off there. Yeah. You had any ghosts, have ye? Like, <laughs> I, uh, like uh, just like they're a bit like that. Their pub reminded me of the pub in the uh, Banshees of Innocent, who you feel like uh, Colin Farrell yeah. and Brendan Gleeson might just be in the corner. So Are you like, rowing? <laughs> but yes, this was kind of like nothing, wasn't it? If we're talking final thoughts, yeah, things. it was a better time than Christmas Eve. <laughs> Uh, but it's hard to see how this sort of very basic story is so timeless. Uh, be interesting to see some of the other spins, like we say, the ones actually set in the past, the, p- the distant past. Um, and if it was done again now, how you might, you know, readapt it again, like it's an interesting source for sure. But it's, yeah, it's not a whole lot there. Like it's not particularly scary. It's a thin premise, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I think it's just uh... very thin. And I kind of, it's that thing, I look at it and go, this is something that's been retold again and again and again. But why? Like it's it's, it's on. I, I think it's on stage this this year. Like, I think oh, like you know, in terms of often often produced on stage in a double bill Christmas Carol. By the way, but maybe um, it's maybe it's driven by these big stars they get as the lead because. Take peace, you're out of this. Yeah. Are you bothered by this, like, at all? I'm just... Oh, well, yeah, like, like, say, just like, like some guy. Fucking Ian Richardson, John Gilgood, Charles Lawton. Like, you know, there's a lot of pretty well, heavyweight some actors. Some of the finest actors ever lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who of this ghost. And it's like, I don't see why. Like, yeah. It's just like, there's not a lot to work with here. And let's remember, the whole Shakespeare element is, is specifically for this version. That's much more Patrick brought Stewart, out. Pro- by, co-producer yeah, Patrick Stewart. Brought out <laughs> by this version. So that isn't even in the other versions particularly. Yeah. What the hell do they do during that? I'm just kind of like, I mean, point. I'd be intrigued to see the uh, 40s film I think it's, I think it's Charles uni- quite universally hated, that one. As well. Oh, really? I really love the, 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 the source material. Like, don't rate that one. Oh, Which is wow. a shame, because I love Lawton. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It, it just beggars belief like what how this has had such legs yeah. for over a hundred and almost thirty years. Like, there's not enough here to warrant it. It's a it's a short story, that's what it was. So I don't think it justifies like the feature length no. of attempt. No, I there's think. no there's not enough story yeah. here for feet. I mean this is an hour and a half, it's ninety five minutes. There's just not there's just nothing there. It's stretched very thin and there's and there's not the, the kind of reveal isn't kind of groundbreaking enough. It doesn't make sense. Like it invites too many kind of questions. You don't you don't understand the motives. I think that's the thing. I don't know if it's like changed over time. Where like, oh, of course, like you know, the person who drove his wife to suicide deserves a second chance. I I don't think that was a ghost in not the nineties. It's like let the fucker burn. I don't. Well, know. that's the thing. I think that just shows how times have changed. That w- w- the, in those say you'd be willing to accept that of being like, well, oh I think it's yeah, the gossip. fine. It's the it's the kind of um, I guess the Victorian era is like you know stiff upper lip, but the, the gossip reigns king you know mm. like people's reputations live and die but over gossip you know and i think that's the thing isn't it where you know he's heard these bad things about his wife has believed them and made the awful mistake and of doing this but like this is you know surely that's like not something to be like damned to hell for i mean i think it is <laughs> <laughs> like yeah but that's the like... point of view isn't it it's just like you know oh just a, a gentleman should not suffer eternally for like having fucking ill of his wife 
Yeah, yeah. I think, like you say, I think he served the time uh, from that. But I think the fact that he gets to kind of rest easy with his wife after, and she seems completely forgiving. So I just think, like you say, it's really thin. It's not funny enough. It does. If it was like full on comedy, you'd be like, okay, fine. Or if it was full on scary, you'd be like, okay, fine. But it's this weird, especially this version. Well, maybe. it's also tell not show. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. In a big way. But especially this version is just nothing either way. You know, it tells it's not not that funny, it's not scary. Like, so what is it? Like, you know, but, really. But the showdown should be with his wife. Yes, yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, that's what it is like, that's the, the person you've got to convince. Yeah, she, yeah, I think that's it. They get they come to expect the angel of death and it's his wife. She and 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 Neve Campbell has to convince the wife yeah. that he's changed. Yeah. Because she's not yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. she's Eventually, she should still be mad. Like, yeah, she years. should be. She died in hysterics. Like, she's driven to the point of insanity where she thinks the only way out of this is death. That's where you need to find mm. her. It's and like she's forgotten everything at the end. Yeah. So, there's the ending. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, literally, it just needs some kind of dramatic weight. Now because... I can see the adaptation, the new adaptation that we'll do. That, yeah, like yeah, yeah, take yeah. it and run with it. All right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, you exactly. know they're going to make it again next year, so it's <laughs> getting there quick with your. It must be public domain by now, so yeah. I mean, you know, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, Pichu is good as he always is in terms of these these kind of things. I do, I do think he's good in this, like the bit where he's actually confessing what he did. Like I think you know it is well. That's has... it. They get away with the fact they don't have a flashback there because he's so good. Yes. Yes, and yeah. you hang on his face and his sort of you buy it, you know the the story from him. Yeah, I kind of it. actually felt that was kind of in many ways the most engaging moment when he's telling what he did and what happened. It was also the moment Margot woke up upstairs and I had to go and sort of feed her. Like, oh. so I missed some of that. Like, <laughs> so what? What did you fucking do? <laughs> so, <laughs> which kind of undercut the whole thing for me. Yeah, I mean, he there is 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 very good, and like you say, I think Neve Campbell is good i think you can see that she, i think you can see through even the way just looking the way they shoot her face in this i think you can tell she's gonna be like a star she really holds the camera very very well and like close up and give stuff. her what she wants for scream six yes yeah i love too, uh, too, late, too late wrapped yeah too i mean long. crime like, like uh, three yeah <laughs> they, i also wanted to buy something like the other day what's the bet she's in it and they, put, they pull a, pull a uh, switcheroo on us and she's actually... Yeah, there. maybe. Maybe for a cameo. Maybe for a post-credits, mm. mid-credits cameo, maybe. Uh, she kind of walks in, but it does, does feel like... I mean, that's not good publicity, is it? Yeah. Your, your kind of main female star yeah. going, they ain't paying me enough. See you later. Yeah, I think it's that thing of either kind of pay her her money or just go on completely without it. Um, without any of them. Because I mean, Courtney Cox is in it. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of think... You... I, that's somebody with friends money as well. Yeah. Convinced to be in it. Like, it's like, you don't... Again, you don't need to work. No. <laughs> you would have thought... But you would have thought Courtney would have held out. I mean, this is a woman who demanded a million per episode for friends yeah. back in the day. when that was And there was fucking 178 of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Or 200 of them. So you would have thought she'd held out, but obviously not. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I just kind of think <laughs> this is kind of like a whole lot of nothing, Matt. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a tough one to recommend because, like you said, it's not that funny, it's not that scary. It's uh, for PSU completionists or Neve Campbell completionists, actually. If you flick them through the TV and it was on, you might watch a bit 
out of uh, morbid curiosity. But uh, to get that Blu-ray release, you really gotta already be a fan, I think. If you blind buy this, like, oh, maybe I've missed a classic. Go back to just watch it on YouTube like we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've just got a message from uh, Sean. <laughs> And he is happy for his name to be read out. So the Canterville Ghost, which we've just slated, was chosen uh, by Sean Whelan, one of our regular listeners. Uh, thank you for, you know, choosing it, Sean. We appreciate it. But this, this next is the time... payoff to that story arc we set up at the start of the episode. Yeah, maybe. yeah. But next time... The Sean Identity story choose, thread. Choose a better fucking movie. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, but it was interesting to explore. You know, I didn't realise it existed um, before. So, you know, I'm glad I've seen it, but it just, yeah, it's just not kind of really anything there. I mean... I was excited because I heard the, the, the name Cannibal Ghost at various points yeah. of my life. And I'd, I'd never kind of come across it. I've heard of Blackbeard's Ghost. I've heard of Bluebeard's Ghost. I've heard of like various kind of ghost stories because they, they kind of resonate with viewers mm. and viewership over the years you know, trips to my grandma's, grandma's granddad's house and sort of these kind of ghost stories would be on the cassettes. And just like, I never watched enough of them, but I knew this existed mm. in, in one of the versions. And I, 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 yeah, finally I was confronted with the Cannibal Ghost and it just disappointed me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it. I genuinely, when this got suggested, I was like wicked because I actually really love the uh, ghost story for Christmas uh, mm. tradition. And I was like literally thinking, fuck, is this going to be like a signalman or oh, a like haunting? Or, you know, Just you watch. Awesome. We're probably going to find out off air tomorrow. Like this year's Ghost Over Christmas, readapted by Mark Gatiss, is uh, The Cannibal Ghost. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'd say if you watch any Ghost Over Christmas, make it The Signalman. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Or one of uh, Mark Gatiss's many adaptations of M.R. James' uh, short stories. Um, but yeah, The Signalman is fucking excellent. Yeah. Really, really good. And that is... Creepy. And it's creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Really, it's really good. Because you the fucking whoopies that one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you can you can find it. You can find it. It's I think available. it's on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's, it's available on physical DVD, Blu-ray, everything. So you can track it down. Basically, if you're looking for scares for your Christmas ghost story, this ain't going to provide them. If you're looking for laughs, it may provide them for like one scene, <laughs> but not really. So I think it's hard to recommend. Really. Sophie as well, like was watching the bit where she there's a scene in the front of the fireplace where she's reading the kind of annals of the Canterville kind of family, which kind of provide the clues to kind of lift the curse, essentially. And there's like a very much a kind of art direction heart in the uh, cover mm. of the book. And there's a space for a heart on the mantelpiece, which is kind of telegraphed so many times. It's like, if, they, if she doesn't put that heart in that space, in the next 20 seconds, I'm going to bed. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it was kind of one of those things that if, if this is like something she's realised in the last five minutes of the movie, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. <laughs> Luckily, she finds, she, she takes only two minutes to, to work it out. It's the, it was interminable length of time. <laughs> um, but it's, if she, literally, she does do it. So it kind of just underscores kind of like the uh, frustration with the material, that the, the fact the audience is ahead of it. And then they're so ahead of it that when the reasons for all of it being is revealed, it just doesn't quite land. Mm-hmm. you expect mm-hmm. better but I have enjoyed uh, chatting about it with you guys over some glasses of lovely port yeah especially for this Christmas edition this has not been an unpleasant diversion I've I enjoyed going yes. down this rope I just yeah. unfortunately it wasn't quite what I hoped 
Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I've just enjoyed doing Christmas special again, to be honest. I enjoyed yeah, doing man. it again in person. Yeah. We weren't able to record a Christmas special last year. For 2020, we recorded remotely ah. for Batman and Robin, yep. which was our 2020 Christmas special, because we were all in lockdown, sadly. And, you know, this is the first time we've recorded a Christmas special in person since 2019, uh, which is Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, which was at your old abode, uh, Paul. Was it? Yes, yeah. it was in your kitchen. Is this better than Christmas Eve? Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. What, what could be worse than Christmas Eve? <laughs> <laughs> what could I be mean, worse not, than that half-star? I, 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 would, I would agree just from this. I think this looks nicer than Christmas oh, yeah. Eve. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. And I think probably a better performance from Feast You in this. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is so strange. This is the year that he he is in a Hollywood movie that grosses like over $100 million at the box office. Yes, first contact. First contact, the best reviewed, like the best box office performance. You know, he stands alone, you know, next gen cast on its own two feet. Like it's a peak, it's his apex mountain Mm. uh, in terms of Star Trek. I would say it comes later with X Men. Like maybe like Peace Yeah, I think in terms of career, Exposure. probably he is X Men. Well, the thing is, it? he stops doing shit like this after X Men. Yes. Well, yes, he does yes. Christmas Eve though. He just Christmas Eve after X Men. Okay, that's way after X Men. Theory. Way after, way after X Men. Like, well, that's it. Yeah, stopped. during the X Men years, he doesn't have to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but there was a there was a time where like you do Star Trek First Contact, a, a huge production for Paramount, and then you have to still do a TV movie mm. like to fill in the blank. So. Yeah, I think once you kind of hit, like, you're doing Star Nemesis and you're doing X-Men 2, United, X-Men United, it's yeah. like, you're pretty much sorted, aren't you? Yeah, but Christmas Eve was after all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Christmas Eve is, like, 2011, wasn't it? 12. Well, it's what, what, past whenever they the killers release Happy Birthday, Guadalupe, because it's in there. <laughs> uh, it was on the so, I think it's 2010, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, but I think you're right in terms of Professor X, X-Men being his apex man because mm. he's still, like, now, I mean, he was in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness like, mm. as, as Professor X. So, you know, he's in an MCU film where, you know, there's nothing bigger right and what, now. What, what's the bet they bring him back for, like, uh, Deadpool 3? Yeah, I mean, possibly. We've got Jackman Wheel him in. Like, <laughs> possibly, possibly. Anything's possible when, Anything's possible. when Jackman comes back. Like, until so. until the multiverse ends with Secret Wars in 2026, anything is possible. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we could see the return of Peace Show. We, we shall see. I think that's the thing. Say. He just crossed over into another kind of pantheon of kind of like pop culture, didn't he? Like, you've got the Star yes. Trek base, it's going to sustain you, but like to have two mm-hmm. under your belt like that is... Two iconic ones. Yeah. It's like, um, Sir Christopher Lee, uh, where he's like, well, I and Duke the at the same time. two most iconic franchises of all time, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, so he's right. It was the wrong trilogy. This you needed know. Christopher Lee. This did need Christopher Lee. Yeah, I, that's Christopher what Lee I'm missing in, it, yeah. in here. Some Christopher Lee action. If he was in this, we've got a different story. Christopher Lee should have played a ri- rifle ghost oh. or the angel of death. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be yeah. good. That would be good. We just worked out. There's no antagonist in terms of stopping him from achieving his goal. Yes. Literally, all he has to do is convince her, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm on board." Pretty much straight away. Yeah, he spent so much time trying to convince the dad, but it's like you don't need his. You don't need him at all. No, what was that no. about? It's complete. Yeah, like, and you get the buckethead ghost that they build should yeah. have been real. Yeah, it should have come to life and been like, yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> fuck you. 
Like uh, yeah, that's who it looked now. like. Lord Buckethead, didn't it? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this will be going out around the festive uh, season. We wish all of you spot players a very, very Merry Christmas at home with your families. Go home to your family. <laughs> um, and literally, you can find us at Spotlight Pod on Instagram, Twitter, if it still exists by the time you listen to this, and <laughs> Facebook. And you can email us, as Sean did for this episode, spotlightpod at gmail.com. So you can suggest us to do a shit film. <laughs> and we will, you know, as proven by this episode, we, we have will, no shame. We will fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, so literally, suggest a way. You know, if there's a Star Trek connection, let us know. We weren't aware of yeah. this TV movie before we did it. So we do welcome your suggestions. You toss a quarter in the can and we'll dance all night, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no quarter. Not a quarter. There's no, there's no quarters. <laughs> but, um, He'll yeah. be dancing on me. It's been a fucking pleasure. This is this has been really, really it's fun. It's like three pounds now. So. <laughs> and we wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ridicule. <laughs> <laughs>